It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. Turn your mic on before I jog your memory. Is it not on? Oh, it's on. Am I just y- your off? levels are my, I was my problem. Your levels were down to zero. Is it uh, something I said? <laughs> Yes, uh, today, everybody, we are going to turn Jordan Bruno's mic to zero because he has violated the guidelines set forth by the Department of Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board of Truth Manipulators. I'm sorry, Jordan. You can watch and you can listen, but you cannot speak. Oh. Or am I able to speak, but my mic will just be turned off? Isn't that the way we do it today? <laughs> well, that's kind of currently the, uh, the <laughs> what's going on with my Twitter account. <laughs> my Twitter account has been locked for the last six and a half days. I think I have another half day of penance. Really? Yeah, I was locked up for because a week. You made a sarcastic comment about gender? Yeah, I, I was tagged for hate speech. We're making a, uh, I, uh, I don't even remember what the tweet was. Oh, I do remember now. I'll let the dear listener <laughs> mind wander of what it might have been. I don't think it was hateful at all, though. I thought it was supportive of uh, what I was speaking about. <laughs> I think you texted it to me. <laughs> I think I, I did. Find it. I think I did. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we have to oh, explain, something about Zion. We have to explain the context. We, we can talk about it. I'm not ashamed of what I wrote. I put it out there in the public square, right? Twitter's the one that took it down, not me. Forced me to take it down. What Twitter does when you violate their swiftly ever-changing rules, what they do, because this is the third time, <laughs> the third time third I've strike, been, huh? And what they do is they say, hey, this tweet violated our policy on hate speech or misinformation. Hateful conduct is what you were accused of. And what they do is they force you to delete the tweet, and then they time you out for uh, a certain amount of time. So my first time was 12 hours, then I think it was 24. Now it was a whole week. So you'll be banned next? I imagine maybe next I'd just be permanently suspended. So How many people is this going to affect? None. None? (laughs) Zero. Zero. There's probably like zero help, followers. Probably of Bobby help. Flood. What, what I find interesting, though, is this current. So, this current situation, my Twitter account is locked, which means I can't post, I can't like, I can't retweet, I can't respond to you know a tweet, a tweet. I can't comment, but I can browse. And so there's there's basically like you can continue to be propagandized. You just can't participate. Hmm. And I just think that's a that's interesting. 
Um, of course, Twitter, <clears throat> Twitter's been in the news a lot because Elon Musk bought Twitter. He's going he's gonna to buy it at, what, $54 and change a share, which is a, above market value current market value and it's like a huge godsend to the people that own twitter stock that might have wanted to get out right and i think he's going to take the private the company private now i don't i don't understand all the nuances of that and nor do i know when this will all take effect but it's complicated the people are panicking the twitter the twitterati are panicking the press is panicking we've had sanctimonious and and uh, uh hyperventilating talking heads on CNN and MSNBC and elsewhere talking about how dangerous this is, how dangerous free speech is, and how dangerous it is that a billionaire could control the flow of information. And they do this without any sense of irony or self-awareness. Right. One of the headlines, the top headline on Zero Hedge right now is, panicked CNN guest wonders, how are we going to control the channels of communication in this country? And he declares that if Elon Musk, quote, controls discourse, quote, we are all headed to hell. Yes. Stuff like this has been going on all week, right? Yeah, it has. There's been a lot of, uh, uh, I think it was Time Time Magazine. See, my normal normal method of seeing something on Twitter that I want to talk about on this show and then liking it. So I liking something on Twitter basically is a bookmark. That helps you remember. Yeah, and I can go back and say, so I, can't, I haven't been able to do that. So I'm go, I, and I'm not going to make notes with a pen and paper about my Twitter habits. Oh, geez, that would be so uh, <laughs> Stone Age. So Bobby the Flood is going to be flying by the seat of his pants today. But Time Magazine wrote, a, wrote an op-ed lamenting the, uh, the tech boys, tech boys and their, their obsession with free speech. And uh, free speech is becoming a, a bad word, bad words. You can't, if you like free speech, if you champion free speech, you're probably a white supremacist. You're probably a Nazi sympathizer. You're probably a COVID denier, an anti-vaxxer. Is this uh, article entitled Elon Musk and the Tech Bro Obsession with, quote, free speech? Yes, that's the one. I believe it was Time Magazine, right? Yeah. Yeah, just documenting it for the listeners here, because I know you love all those links that I post on the website. Hey, thanks everybody for speaking freely on the comments section of the of last week's podcast. This was episode number seventy two, right? Entitled "More on Psychosis," and we had some great comments there. I think we're going to save those for next week because we technically listeners the. The contest was we needed 20 comments, and we're not there yet. For is, there the, a, for the, is there a closing date? We did not issue a closing date. I think that means the coupon is valid <laughs> indefinitely, forever. All right. But, uh, I mean, we really, we really want to do a, a T-shirt here, I think. I'm itching to do a T-shirt. I think that would be fun. There would be one person out there with this strange T-shirt that everyone's like, what, what is that? Yeah, I was thinking what about that mean? what does that mean. I was thinking about what it could potentially say on the T-shirt. What we would. Well, print. one one of our listeners has been giving us all kinds of uh, quotable mater- material from the podcast. He'll regularly remind us of his favorite uh, snippets. It's I play the radio, right? Mm-hmm. 
KSL, the local communist rag. That was his latest quote, <laughs> quote of yours. <laughs> See, wouldn't that be great if that was on a on a T-shirt? KSL, comma the local communist rag, and then yeah, or, people, somebody's wearing that around, and their friends are like, "What? What?" I think he's pointed out the the Atlantic, the magazine, not the right. ocean, <laughs> not the ocean. I was thinking one could be uh, you are probably prepared. Um, probably. You are as opposed to probably not. You are you you might be prepared. But that's today, an, that's another one too. The food storage thing. I guess we got to give a shout out to uh, food storage again. This is still getting talked about. And another food processing plant over the weekend <clears throat> lit up on fire, spontaneously combusted out in Vir- Virginia, I think, or something like that. Yeah, it's totally normal though. Food processing <laughs> okay. plants are always blowing up. We also had uh, Samantha Power, who does something with the Biden administration, said that it's a good thing that no one can get fertilizer. Farmers can't get fertilizer to grow crops because that will force them to use manure, you know, get back to green solutions. That's hate speech. She just hates manure. I think she hates people and wants you all to die. When it all comes down to it? Yeah. These people all hate people. They hate the dirty masses, and they're all depopulationists, Malthusians, and they want, they want the population of the world to be about, oh, maybe one billion enlightened people like they are. The rest of us can just rot and die. So just the blue checks remain? What's a yeah. blue check on Twitter? Explain to me that. A blue check mark is someone who's verified by Twitter, which means in the, in the old days it meant that you're real. This is really the person that this account is claiming to be. And it, it, did they have it, you like upload a um I, a, a driver's I license or something? It, I believe so. There's some kind of process. I've never bothered with it. But in the old days, it was like, oh, this really is Ashton Kutcher, or this really is you know Barack Obama. Hmm. And now they're really loose with it. Like a journalist that works at you know the Washington Post can have a blue check mark and. Generally speaking, it's become a bit of a derogatory term. The blue check brigade or the blue check marks are a bunch of brainless idiots that are just regime stooges. Can and you still get one if you just tell them who you really are? No, you have to be. You have to. So be, now it's for cool people. You have to be someone of note. Did it, did they take away the blue checks of the regular folks that had gotten it early? I don't think so. But it wasn't ever regular folks. Even back then, it was like, you have to be someone notable because uh, the idea was to say, because there's a lot of parody accounts, right? Yeah, like it, that's why Donald Trump's account was the real Donald Trump, right? Or yeah, real Donald Trump. And so a, a regular anonymous user like you or me would never be parodied or copied because why you're not a regular anonymous user you're an irregular i'm a locked silenced (laughs) anonymous user um and so nowadays it's just kind of become you know it's kind of like almost saying it's like the npc meme you know you're the blue check marks they're npcs kind of yeah some of them literally are like bots there's been bots that have been verified and that's one thing Elon Musk has brought up. He says, I want to verify all humans because he understands that the internet has a huge bot pro- problem, especially things like Twitter. Places like Twitter have a huge bot problem. So he wants to verify all humans, meaning this is an actual human 
behind this account. I don't know how he's going to do that. I mean, there's different ways that we've seen in the past. He, I he am not a, really a robot. That, yeah, the uh, internet is probably 50% robots. Probably or, or, at least uh, that. Or, or at least 50% astroturfed. I, I have some experience with the search engine marketing industry. Some of our listeners do. And what you do in search marketing is you have to create content to make it look like people are visiting your site and that other people mm -hmm. like your site so that the algorithms will think that and rank you higher. So because everybody knows that's what gets you ranked, they, they game that by creating mm -hmm. generally artificial content. I call it astroturfing. Right. So, a lot, I mean, most of the internet's fake. How often have we seen the stories about, you know, Hillary Clinton loses half of her followers. They were bots. Right. <laughs> On Twitter or Instagram or whatever. <clears throat> it's a serious, I mean, it's a serious issue. And it goes back to that old adage that if you're younger than, uh, what, 40 now, you may have heard this. Didn't your mother tell you, don't believe everything you see on TV? Do they not tell the kids that? I'm wondering if it's like 43 or something no, based on them. certain siblings' reactions to things. If, if that person did not remember that mom said, don't believe everything you see on TV. Now you're, you have to believe everything you see on TV as long as it's on certain channels. And if you don't, you're a hateful bigot. You're a hateful bigot if you don't believe everything you see on TV. How dare you question the narrative? What's the narrative? Well, it changes every other day. Are we still standing for Ukraine, by the way? Is that still the thing? Hold on, let me check KSL. <laughs> the local communist the rag. The local communist rag. By the way, today is Monday, <laughs> did, May did, 2nd. Did their, their top headline, did the COVID-19 pandemic make Utah roads more dangerous? Law enforcement agencies in Utah say recent spikes in aggressive driving had made, have made roadways less safe, contributing to a burst in fatalities and greater incidence of road rage. So did the roads change? This is an interesting discussion. <clears throat> I was watching a Catherine Austin Fitz video. We've mentioned her often enough on the podcast. If you're not aware of who she is, go back to episode eight, Hidden Picture, on our History of the Secret Combinations. I'll stop touching my mic. Um, <laughs> go back to that and you can kind of get a little history on who she is. But I was watching a, an interview she did recently and she said she estimates, first of all, that there's been a lot of propaganda out there about the actual adopt, adoption rate of vaccines. She thinks it's much lower. Like instead of 70%, it's 50%. And uh, another thing she was saying is the death rates are going up, especially among healthy people, which we've kind of talked about that. That's been out in the... By the way, she calls the alternate media the new media. She's, she's got some great ways to look at things. You know, she's the one that recommends Cash Friday. You know, use cash on Friday so that they can't take away cash. We need to have uh, a defense against the digital currency, th this uh, almost inevitable, uh, unstoppable movement towards the digital currency. We need, to, we need to be fighting against that by using cash as often as possible. So she's got some great ideas. You know, invest in your local farmers and bankers and by using them instead of other people. So, I, you know, I don't know if we can really stop it, but if we were to stop it, Catherine's ideas would be really important in, in stopping this move uh, 
to the towards the destruction of our society or towards the total centralized control of our society that we clearly see happening. So uh, anyway, Catherine was on a <clears throat> on an interview recently, and she said she brought up this fact that it looks like KSL is now doing damage control. Oh, and by the way, I forgot. She says we need to call the alternate media new media, not uh, not alternate media, because it is the new media, and pe- statistically, people are flocking to the new media because why? Free speech, because they get more truth. No, 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 no. no. Yes, free speech. It's because we're hateful, bigot, white supremacists. <laughs> hateful bigots. So what that means is the majority of the world is hateful, bigot, white yes. supremacists? Okay. It's because they're misinformed. Okay. <laughs> you wouldn't be a hateful, white supremacist bigot if you were informed okay well bobby this this is the the new media and the old media is dying and so we call them the old media they're dying this is the new media it's not the alternate media it's the new media so see she's reframing the discussion in a really positive way i hear as long as you're a hateful bigotry Mm -hmm. hateful bigoted white supremacist whoremonger nazi sympathizer okay (laughs) now that we've got that out of the way sarcasm uh she pointed out that First of all, vaccine adoption rates aren't aren't as high as they say, and secondly, that the death rates up, and third, that and it's climbing, and third, that wait for it, <laughs> did the COVID nineteen pandemic make Utah roads more dangerous? Yes, that that road uh, uh, traffic accidents are up and traffic fatalities are up, but and, the roads didn't change, right? And so she's asserting that the that the vaccine has caused people to lose IQ points. People are actually have actually become stupider because of this. I think that and and be, hold on a second. My son was almost in an auto accident just a few days ago. He came home and he's like, "Oh man, I almost got in a big wreck." And he explained it to me. He drew it out for me. And and the, what this guy did was to make a U turn like across four five lanes of traffic in front of him as he was coming out of the suicide lane. When it, you know it was like it was a stupid move and. He, he ended up in a, a drifting, you know, fast and furious type of a situation because he was not, I was like, I, I quizzed him. I'm like, man, because he's, he's getting old enough. He should be like understanding what defensive driving is and how to, you know, if you've got to pay for your insurance and stuff, you need to be really careful. And I'm pretty sure it was, unless he's just lying to me, that it was sort of unavoidable. He had to speed up, move out of the way rather than slow down and stop and wait for the crazy people to to move ahead, which is mm-hmm. what you normally want to do if you're driving defensively because this guy was almost T-boned him. And if he had not swerved, you know, one tra- one lane over and and, you know, put the he almost put his plane into a flat spin. <laughs> I, I think that's probably a good theory that people are losing brain cells and IQ points. I think also um we know that during this pandemic, <clears throat> this pandemic, we know that alcohol and drug abuse has gone up. Um, we know that people are stressed and distracted and angry. Uh, I remember in the early days of the lockdowns, when there was a lot fewer people on the roads, traffic accidents were up. And their theor- the theory was that because there was fewer people on the roads, people were driving faster. And also because people were driving less, they sort of lost their ability to drive. But I think the framing of that KSL article is, is something else because they, they frame it, did the roads become more dangerous? Well, the roads didn't change. 
No, the roads are the, the about roads, the same. The roads didn't become narrower or steeper or suddenly built on the side of a cliff. People, people change. People, people are the ones that Get this, drive the cars. The, the number of people willing to try to run from a police officer, which is extremely dangerous, has almost doubled over the last two years, according to the Highway Patrol. That's interesting. <laughs> Is that on KSL as well? It's, it's social. Yeah, this is the, I'm reading from the article. It's social. I'm not, should I, I guess I'm going to have to link to it now that I'm reading from it. I hate to link I mean, to you KSL. Don't, you don't have to. Well, but if I do that, then they're going to get even more clicks because the listeners are going to have to go looking for it. Maybe. If I just link to the one, then they'll only get one click. I don't even want to give that local communist out piece, out, outlet, mouthpiece, rag. whatever, rag, uh, any more clicks than, than I have to here. He, he says, it's social unrest, the economy, this looming possible threat of war. It's a weird kind of social psychological phenomenon where people have just become almost angry. Almost. Said a unified police department public information officer. Oh, a public information officer. Could, could you restate what that is, Mr. Flood? Yeah, yeah, it's a public information officer is a fancy word for regime stooge. Propagandist. Right. Uh, yeah. It, it, this this person was citing an example of a driver who brandished an axe on a Utah roadway in April. See, that's interesting. If if I was driving along somebody, okay, and they brandish an axe at me, are you it, gonna get scared? No. What's he gonna do? Now, if it was a gun, that's a different thing. A gun shoots a projectile. An axe is not a projectile. I might try to you know slow down or speed up to distance myself from said person because he is at the same time driving a high-speed vehicle that he could ram into me. But have you ever had any serious road rage encounters? Someone brandishing a middle finger or a gun or an axe? Brandishing the middle finger? (laughs) I've had a few middle fingers over the years. I think I've, yeah, I've had some horns honked and and some middle fingers. Uh, I've I've never had anything real like ragey though. Yeah. Some of the scariest ones I've had where people have, uh, I kind of stopped flashing lights at people driving aggressively because, or or honking my horn at them because I had one guy that was really driving aggressively, cut me off on the freeway, flashed my lights at him, honked at him, and he slowed down. He wanted to have a little conversation. And I, so I flipped up my, I was at the time that we had flip phones and I flipped up the phone and showed him I was dialing 911 and he sped off, you know? (laughs) And, uh, I didn't dial it up, but it's like, Hey, look, the problem is confrontation here. If you, if you're going to, if you're going to do anything other than drive, you know, the normal, do the normal indications to other drivers like signal and, and, um, indicate when you're turning and stuff like that, be prepared for them to respond back. Cause yeah, people may not like what you have to say. I've noticed that people, um, oftentimes let's say someone cuts you off on the freeway and you have to avoid them or maybe beep, you know, Hey, I'm here. Oftentimes that person who causes the uh, mistake is the one that is brandishing and screaming and yelling. I think it's a defense mechanism where their adrenaline is pumped up. They realize they just about got in a wreck and then you shrug or raise your hands at them like, hello, I'm here. And they get angry and they're flipping you off. And you're like, Hey, I, I never moved. Yeah. I never move. Just waving at you. Just, just letting you know I'm here. Well, today's Monday, May 
2nd. We hope everybody had a good Communist Revolution Remembrance Day yesterday and May Day. There were riots in Europe and uh, here in the United States, I noticed as well. Always good to see. Um, Monday, May 2nd, 2022. This is the Mind Virus Show. I'm Bobby Flood. That is Jordan Bruno. Find us at mindvirus.show on the internets. Leave a comment. We get to 20 comments on our last post. I mean, I really want to give out a t-shirt. We will create a t-shirt. If you skipped last week, the idea is this. We need you to post... Uh, your what you think is an often overlooked prep item that somebody would want to stock up on right now before things are unavailable. And we've had some very interesting comments. This is on episode mm-hmm. 72. Feel free to go read that. Yeah. See what other people are talking some good, about. Some insightful comments. Insightful comments. We need, we're going to select, Bobby and I are. Now, how, this is going to be hard for us to select because what if you and I choose different items? We're not printing two T-shirts, just one T-shirt. Well, I think we're going to have to to rely on the random number generator. Oh, so we're going to get a random? I think these people are putting a lot of thought into this. They want this to be a meritocracy. Not a, not, they want it to be based on merit, not, so the, not based on randomness. The idea is we, we pick the best comment. Oh, and then we flip a coin? Well, we could, we could also have a conversation. We could roll it. a D20. If yeah. you roll a natural 20. We could I've do that. learned what that what a natural 20 is by the way recently yeah 20 just for you D fans out there um i guess we got to get to 20 first we got to get to the 20 comment threshold and and by the way if you've already left a comment you can't leave more comments that contribute to the count right i noticed you made a comment does that contribute to the count well there's two there's two different ways that we could be tracking this for example The page itself right now says that we have 11 comments. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of the people have left more than one suggestion. True. So that's, but they didn't necessarily do it in the comments and not all the comments, or with separate comments. They didn't necessarily do it with separate comments. And not all of the comments are about, wait a minute, am I looking at 71 or so? I'm looking at 72 here. Not all of the comments are about preparedness items. What, for for what, example, uh, have you ever seen, so TBM here says that our podcast is like a, uh, a sitcom, called, I think it's called Community, where there's some mm. guys that do a fake morning show called Troy and Abbott in the morning. In the morning. Have you ever watched that show? Not until I saw that comment. So I went and watched it, and I didn't know if I was supposed to be complimented or, or offended. <laughs> Well, since we're we're uh, white supremacist bigots here, look, I was not, a little offended. I, I, I was a little offended because you know both Bobby and I are not white. We're both minorities and women, of course. Well, I don't know what so, a woman is. Okay, so I mean that 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 uh, fake morning show had a white guy on it. It did, and another guy that was kind of he was kind of light skinned but dark at the same time. I got a B minus in high school biology, so I don't. You don't know. I don't know. Well, I got a. I never really took art, so I don't know what the colors are anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, TBM commented on that, and I said LOL, and then he said I meant it in the best possible way. So that was three comments right there, and yeah, and I play the radio gave us some some. Uh, 
ideas about t-shirts. Well, given that it's been a week and we're still far short of the threshold, I think maybe we just, whatever the website says. So right now the website says, says 11. 11. We need nine more. Yeah. If we were to get to 20 comments, that would break the record. I think it's our, this, I think episode 72 already has the record on comments per episode. Yeah. It's the winner so far. So congratulations, listeners. You are winning. Yeah, you're winning. But only one person is going to get the prize. Many shall enter. Only one will win. Yeah, this is not a participation trophy. This will be a coveted uh, first edition Mind Virus t-shirt. Yeah, it will be. (laughs) That's truthful. Nina approves. If you don't wear it out, it may be worth something someday. Nina has deemed that that statement is factual. Nina. Who's Nina? You got to tell the listeners who Nina is. Nina is a big sister, and she's watching. Now, is it true that she did a uh, vocal montage in a tweet? Yes, I Did you listen to that? I saw it. Her name is Nina Yanko, Yankowitz, Yankovitz. So she's like a literal ethnic communist? She is our a new slob? truth and information Someone czar. from the Eastern Bloc? She, I don't know where she's from, but she has, she has... Behind the Iron Curtain. Well, I don't She might have been born in the, the U.S. I haven't d- dived that deep. But she did work in Ukraine on a Albright Fellowship, I believe. Of course. And with the Wilson Center, and uh, she, she advised the Ukrainian government on their information. So <laughs> she's, when you think about the recent history of Ukraine, and then you realize she played a key role in regime change and propaganda over there. And she has uh, recently stated that the Hunter Biden laptop was fake and so forth and so on. She's a regime stooge, a propagandist. And she is our new minister of truth. Let me, let me say this again. The United States of America, okay, the United States of America has a literal ministry of truth, just like the party established in 1984. Or other communist and dic- dictator regimes have established here in the real world. Mm-hmm. There's something really important in like our founding... Um, materials, the, fi- the, bro- the brochure on the country that was, you know, the tourism brochure, mm-hmm. the uh, con- contract, the compact between the states. There's something very important here that uh, I'd like to bring up. Congress shall make no law. Well. Congress shall make no law. Well. <laughs> Congress. Now, I guess there's a, a loophole here because it's the executive branch make, making this edict here. But, it's not uh, even a law. They just determined. They just determined they just, it, yeah. They just created this the, on a cold day in April when the clocks were striking 13. Now, what is that? I'm, that is the opening line, I believe, of 1984. Is it? Okay, I've I believe it's the first sentence. Uh, we could verify that. We could trust but verify. We got we to gotta type that into the notes here so that we make sure to put a reference to it in our uh, documentation. Okay, it was a bright cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13. That is what Google returns. Well, thank you for reminding me of that. It's been a while since I read 1984. There's a lot of stuff like that to make you think in it. I know that the... 
Bill of Rights says that Congress shall make no law. But I want to remind you, Jordan, and our and our good listeners that under extraordinary circumstances, all individual rights may be reasonably suspended for a time okay, you, to protect the general public. Okay, so you bring this up from time to time, but you never source this. This uh, I, I believe I have sourced it. I know you kind of have hinted at the source, but I think you need to come clean. Like who... What what is this getting under your skin here? This, that, Where did this, this come statement. from? Because this let me let me write it down when you say it, when you say it again because this is well, a very interesting. Uh, say it again. I'll just look it up. Well, let me look it up so I get it exactly right. And I'll, while I'm looking it up, I will tell you exactly where it came from. It came from a letter sent to all members of the LDS Church from the LDS Church, like a paper letter, an email. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, in April 2020, and the subheading was Good Global Citizenship. And under that instruction to be good global citizens. We'll, put a, we'll post a qu- snippet of this or a quote of it on the website. On the we- it's still on the church website. It's on the church website, there. okay. And there's a line in there that when I read it at the time, back in 2020, shocked me. Um, because it's it's so blatantly unconstitutional. <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, sorry, I'm stalling here to find the exact quote. Well, I I think it's you know I'm kind of outing you here, but you do bring it up often enough that we ought to point out where it comes from. And probably most of you who are listening did receive this in email form. It's quite alarming, especially if you consider the difference between this and section 134 of the Doctrine and Covenants and the Declaration of Independence, which we pointed out last week mm-hmm. as we were discussing well, it's also, something. I can't it's, remember. It's important given the context of what's happened since it was sent, what's happening now if, in regards to speech and truth and self-governance, liberty. Right. right. If this statement is true, then that means that your rights are only good for a time until there's an emergency and then all bets are off. If this statement is true, we have no individual rights. The point is that that all you need is an emergency and then you're done because the tyrants take over when there's an emergency. And what do uh, bad people gen- t- tend to cause? Emergencies, wars, uh, catastrophes, whatever. So this is, this is just blatant, blatantly flying in the face of reason and uh, truth. This was called, this was published April 16th. 2020, Administrative Principles in Challenging Time is the title of the article. And it says Global Citizen Responsibility. And in that section, it says that we acknowledge that in exceptional circumstances, all individual rights may be reasonably restricted for a time to protect the safety of the general public. We acknowledge that in exceptional circumstances, all, all individual rights may be reasonably restricted. So, for example, the right to life? All individual rights. Okay. Liberty? All. Okay. Pursuit of happiness? All. The right to uh, petition the government for redresses? Still all. The right to throw off the tyranny and provide new guards for your future security. The duty to do that, according to the Declaration? Still all. Okay. 
So th- there's a lot of there's a lot of really this is sneaky lawyer language here. Okay, who gets to decide what is an exceptional circumstance? Who gets to decide what is reasonably restricted? Well, I thought her name was Nina Yankurchanovich. Well, n- now we know. Now we know. <laughs> we have a minister of truth that gets to decide what is exceptional and unexceptional, and what is reasonable and unreasonable, and for a time, whatever that means. Well, during extenuating circumstances, exceptional right. cir- circumstances, exceptional circumstances. In continuing the letter, in times of pandemic or natural disaster, the church will respond to official orders to take needed actions, such as canceling or postponing meetings or other gatherings. The church and its members are committed to being good citizens and good neighbors. The church has a long history of reaching out and providing assistance to those in need. I don't know what that last sentence has to do with any of the other sentences I read, but that's the order they were published in. Along with our commitment to be good global citizens, we respectfully assert that reasonable accommodations be extended to all people of faith as they strive to participate in rights, R-I-T-E-S, rights that are foundational to their faith, unless those rights involve gathering, speaking, singing, shaking hands, and other exchanging of <laughs> tokens and signs. So now we know. Now we know who gets to decide what are uh, exceptional circumstances. We who? have a face. Nina. Okay. Nina Jankovic. And she is a lunatic. She is a lunatic even by lunatic standards. An absolute lunatic. Now... Admittedly, I have not watched anything live, not live, recorded. I haven't, I've only read commentaries surrounding the issues. So we're all taking your word for it, Bobby the Flood. Well, you don't need to take my word for it. You're going to play us a clip over the Uh, high tech. I uh, can see if I can find that. But she's written a book. We can link it. She's written a couple books. One is called. What's her, what's her official title? Um. Um, she, she wrote a book, uh, I'm looking at her for, for her official title too. She wrote a book called how to lose the information war and also a book called how to be a woman online. Her pinned tweet says men burst violently into your mentions and your life like the Kool-Aid man demanding your attention, hawking opinions that they believe are unarguably manifestly correct and indispensable. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what her official title is. It's the, she's the chief information czar at the Department of Truth. The, uh, the, 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 the official name for this Ministry of Truth is uh, Board of Misinformation, something like that. I'll try to find that as well. Seems 
That was the New York Post linking to uh, her TikTok video, which I just watched for the first time. And this person is apparently... She gets to decide what you consume. She has a role on the Homeland Security's new Orwellian Disinformation Governance Board. She doesn't have a role on it. She's the leader of it. She's the leader of it. Okay, so it doesn't say that. Dis- Disinformation Governance Board. That's more Orwellian than Orwell. <laughs> That's amazing. That was uh, beyond the pale. She writes in that, I think the text that accompanied that. I'm not sure what to say Mary to the Poppins, uh, bastardization is, call me the queen of disinformation, which I think is really ironic so, because she's going to spit disinformation all day long. That was... Out of out of sight. <laughs> like that's something you do on the that's, like that's we might try a stunt like that on the the variety show that we're running for fun to get some laughs. But we're dealing with the this we're dealing with this, this woman, right here. This, we're deal- keep in mind this um, disinformation governance board falls under the umbrella of the Department of Homeland Security, which is a law enforcement agency right our our money they're using our tax money which they get in a variety of ways not just from your income tax to do this to us congress appropriates that money congress is what decides on this and congress has a restriction placed on them from the very beginning of this contract that we've all entered in as states that they will make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, so back to the COVID shutdown, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press. Okay, so they're not supposed to go... It's not, it's not that they... they uh, it's not that we're supposed to have freedom of speech. They're not supposed to touch it. It's not in their purview to regulate it. But keep in mind how they're doing this. Okay, what's the name of the governance board? The what governance board? No, but I just want to bring you back to, I know, I get this, but look at how far contra, contradictory, how inverted we've become. Like, well, I know, I know, but I, I, what I'm saying is... No law, no law. They haven't made a law. They just made an agency, an entire department. Do you realize how, no much, law was, how much law and tax appropriation oh, it was I, required to get to that point? I, I understand. Okay. I understand. They did make a law. They did was, make a law, and that's all they've been doing is was, making laws to kill us. For the last 150 years. Right, but they didn't make a law in the sense that this, the, the presence of this, the existence of this disinformation governance board was not debated in Congress. She was not voted, you know, and uh, there weren't hearings like you would a Right, it's a, color a of law. Judge, a Supreme they've Court taken, judge. They've taken money that was, was uh, <clears throat> acquired, stolen, yeah, acquired by taxation which was done through a lawful by a lawmaking process they have to pass a law a budget bill every year mm-hmm. what they could do is just not fund this lady they could say we yeah, we will no longer give any money to the there, department it, of homeland security there are security. some representatives trying to push back on this i don't know if i don't I, uh, the fact that this governance board exists is incredible but the they're doing it under the guise of disinformation okay disinformation 
remember Spencer Cox's uh, inaugural address when he addressed, when he talked about disinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies. This is the boogeyman of our time, right? This is the red scare. Well, it's, it's one of the... Yeah, and it's something that is vague enough. The other is, is, is getting within six feet of somebody. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, you, we're, we're, why, would, why, would this, why would this even surprise us that she's going uh, to get away with singing Mary Poppins to us as she takes, as she takes away the fundamental First Amendment right of everybody? Yeah. <laughs> That, that, that there couldn't be like this. Uh, the First I, Amendment. I don't even want to say like this is this isn't even a com. This is this isn't even good enough for a comedy out of the '60s or something. The First Amendment is, for all intents and purposes, is is null and void right now in this country. This is like the producers' springtime for Hitler in Germany. What and they're, they're doing it? <laughs> they're creating, as we've already said, they're creating exceptional circumstances, saying that disinformation is dangerous and that it's killing people. Spencer Cox, our bald-headed, venerable governor, <coughs> said the same thing. Said misinformation is literally killing people. He, that's a quote. Misinformation is literally killing people. Venerable, accorded a great deal of respect, especially because of age, wisdom, or character. Yeah, he has. Do you, would you care to revise your free speech? He there? has so it's much a, wisdom and character. He's not not necessarily age, but does have tons, just tons of wisdom and character. Um, I don't know. I, look, the, but so so what I'm what I'm getting at is that they don't need to pass a law. This does not need to go through any process because well, what you're saying is they already passed because a law. we acknowledge that during exceptional circumstances, all individual rights may be reasonably suspended. Well, that's the that's what they want you to think, and that's why we're here to correct the record on the Mind Virus Show. The Again, we've said this before, but the Bill of Rights was not to tell you what your rights are, but to tell you the things that the government couldn't do to you. It codified it codified your inalienable rights. That's right. That you possess inherently, just on, just for being human. It was like we're just going to make one thing clear here. You can't because we're setting this government up and giving him a little power. You can never go in these areas. And that is um, documented in the preamble to the Bill of Rights. I brought this up before, but I want to remind the listeners that there are a lot of people that know that the Constitution has a preamble, which is widely misunderstood. But there was a, an explanatory clause or an explanatory rationale added to the to the Bill of Rights, and it is this. The convention of a number of states having at the time of their adopting the Constitution expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added. So this, this frames, this, this preamble to the Bill of Rights frames the reality that our earliest benefactors, the, the people who came before us and set this whole system up, they intended that the government only do the things that are specifically enumerated in the Constitution and that further dec these further declaratory clauses are supposed to clarify specifically what they cannot do. Did they have the internet back then? 
No. Okay. They didn't have the internet back then. Do you think they foresaw the internet back then? I don't know. Had they foreseen the internet, they would have never codified our freedom of speech. <clears throat> the internet is a dangerous weapon of disinformation listen, listen when it to, is when right. it is open and free right. and can fall into Mr. The, sarcasm. It can fall into the hands of bigots and white supremacists and but, Nazi synthesizers. You think I'm being sarcastic? Did you synthesize them? You think I'm being sarcastic? <laughs> that's a legit argument that people. I get it that that's what they're I shouldn't saying. Say but, legit argument. But then it's, why why do we have the Ninth Amendment that says the enumeration in the Constitution, which includes its amendments, which includes the Bill of Rights? The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Why would it say that? No, nobody reads down to the ninth. And, and then the tenth one, which says, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, meaning specifically delegated, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. See, the, the structure of this is so important because that's, if you flip over to the rights can be reasonably restricted argument or to this whole they didn't foresee the internet argument, you can't read, you, <laughs> you didn't read, you don't understand how, why it was set up in the first place. And the, and the problem is that since the Civil War, the war between the states, excuse me for mis- labeling it as the as a civil war ever since yeah, the war you, you didn't misgender it so you're okay. okay ever since the war between the states that question sort of got set aside like we have this elephant in the room that nobody will talk about that by the way we're 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 interpreting this wrong that somehow we have the right to take those states and force them to join us i think it's important to to maybe talk about what does <clears throat> what does the first amendment what kind of speech does it protect now <laughs> I, I, the, the 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 argument the the example that everybody all bring everyone always brings up is the fire in a crowded theater which is the dumbest thing ever you don't have the right to yell fire in a crowded theater you do you do especially if there's a fire in a crowded theater you can absolutely yell that but the whole premise where that comes from is a, mis a misinterpretation of the essay that started that argument, which we can look up. I'm too lazy to do that right now. But, and it's not just saying, oh, Joe Biden's a jerk. My free speech allows me to say that Joe Biden is a jerk. Well, it does. It does. But it goes a lot farther than that. Free speech gives you the freedom to be wrong. And to, believe, and to hold unsavory beliefs. It gives you the freedom to be a bigot and a racist and a misogynist. And to say it to and people. A Nazi sympathizer. And to offend them. Right. They're just words, right? Now, that doesn't mean that they're good words or good ideas, but they're protected. They're, you have the right to be a jerk. You don't have the right to hurt people. Or to steal from people or to slander right. people. The That's all different. The crazy irony or the crazy paradox here is that it was freedom of speech, freedom of the press that has allowed the oligarchy to corrupt the minds of the people the, this badly that they're some of them actually believe they shouldn't have that right. 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 The, this disinformation governance board, they're not going to try to clean up 
false information on the internet. They're going to, as the guy on CNN said, they're going to control the flow of information in this country. That's the goal. Let's not forget, uh, or you know, good old Winston, right, and Orwell. This is from, this is from 1984. Now I will tell you the answer to my question. It is this: the party seeks power entirely for its own sake. We are not interested in the good of others. We are interested solely in power, pure power. What pure power means, you will understand presently. We are different from the oligarchies of the past in that we know what we are doing. All the others, even those who resembled ourselves, were cowards and hypocrites. <clears throat> the German Nazis, the Russian communists came very close to us in their methods, but they never had the courage to recognize their own motives. They pretended, perhaps they even believed, that they had seized power unwillingly and for a limited time and that just around the corner there lay a paradise where human beings would be free and equal. We are not like that. We know that no one ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing it. Power is not a means, it is an end. One does not establish a dictatorship in order to safeguard a revolution. One makes the revolution in order to establish the dictatorship. The object of persecution is persecution. The object of torture is torture. The object of power is power. Now you begin to understand me. Wow. I believe that the gravity, is when, The gravity of that is quite I believe heavy. that is when Winston is, is in the torture chamber, when uh, the guy who deceived him is trying to get him to admit that two plus two is five. I think that's when that monologue is delivered. It's been a minute since I've read it, read the book as well. Yeah. But that's what we're seeing, right? They're finally, they, meaning the regime, the oligarch, whatever you want to call it, are starting to admit the motives for their actions. It's not for your good. It's okay. It's not for the, for the public welfare. It's for them. It's for them to control you. It's power for the sake of power. Yeah, I mean, with this Mary Poppins thing, I'm just sitting here going, who let her out of the the nut house long enough to do that? I mean, they, there's been a... She's groomed for this. She's been raised for she's this. She's been raised for this, but is there part of the oligarchy that wants them to just to destroy themselves so they can bring in the Orwellian thing? Because people will not stand for what we just heard off of the New York right. Post website as they mercilessly posted her TikTok video. Well, keep in mind, okay, that wasn't some leak or a uh, hacked thing. She posted that to the public. She she put that on TikTok. Who, how, uh, are these the Karens out there? Is, is, are the Karens the ones that are li- loving that? Who's loving that? I, I don't know. I don't know, but she's a lunatic. And we, we talked about this a little before we hit record. Like, who, why who, are they the doing this? Who's the audience there? Like, who, loves, who likes that? Who, but... Who responds favorably to that? Like the people who are broken, the people still masking, the people <laughs> yelling at people about masks and, and vaccines. And, but we were talking about this a little bit. Of why, why is it that they're becoming so absurd? The absurdity is, uh, is just blatant. And well, I think, they too- wanted, I think they want another war, in, in, uh, an actual civil war this time between the people. They want... 
It, well, if if the vaccines have dumbed down the populace enough that they're wrecking into each other and angry with each other on the roads more often now, if crime is up, suicide is up, you know, prices are up. Definitely, prices are up. Yeah, at the White House correspondence dinner. Is this a is this to push push America into desperation mode? I mean, we're getting close. What's the White House correspondence dinner? What what happened there? That's a dinner where there's often comedians that will roast. Right, but they'll have the president get up and roast the roast the. Uh, Trevor Noah was the host, but they'll they'll have the president get up and make fun of the media, right? But didn't this time he starts just jabbing the public? What was the? Well, the clip the I saw there? that Trevor Noah, who's the host, first he gave us some sanctimonious speech about loving each other and things. It's like no self-awareness given the context of, you know, current events. But then he also says, things are looking up, President Biden. Under your leadership, prices are up, depression's up, inflation's up. And Biden just laughs. And it's like, these people have no concern for really? you. They do not care about you. It's all a joke for them. They're doing just fine. They want you to feel this pain. This is a season of sacrifice. Remember that's, you know, like I said earlier, Susan Power, Samantha Power says it's a good thing that farmers can't grow cops, crops because that means that more people are going to be hungry and revert to green friendly policies. They don't care about you. They don't care about your rights. They don't care about your life, your liberty, your pursuit of happiness. They don't care about your well-being, your health, whether physical health, mental health, emotional health. They don't care. Okay, Get it out of your head. They don't care. They want you to die. They want you to die painfully, slowly, and horribly <clears throat> because that gives them more power. And this disinformation governance board is just another step in that. They want to kill you. They, well, want, I they want to literally kill you. I had no idea that the, that the White House Correspondents' Dinner was so blatant. There's, a, there's some commentary I'll link to from over at Fox News uh, about analysts discussing the inflation comments. Um, we're, we're at the... Think we about must this. be in the late stages when we've got this kind of... They're wh laughing what would you call at, it? They're laughing at, at your pain. I mean, inflation, inflation is probably is worst, the worst it's ever been in my lifetime. At least my uh, adult lifetime, for sure. Is this the let them eat cake moment? I've heard... No, you can't <clears throat> eat cake. Cake is bad for you. <laughs> I've heard that uh, when Marie, Marie Antoinette said let them eat cake, that it could have been interpreted two ways. One, it, was, it could have been interpreted that she was so naive that she really thought they should just eat cake because they didn't of have bread. bread. But the other was that there in the in the oven that there was a uh, you know the the organic material would cake on the sides of the the oven and that that's what she was telling them to eat was the the burnt refuse of their past meals which sounds super evil and I'm not sure which right. one it was. I've also heard that it was all just a myth and that she never oh said she never it said all. that it was just folklore but. Many politicians have, and, and others like that, you know, media types, have said similar things. You know, the Learn to Code movement was another one. When truckers, I didn't believe it was truckers, were losing their jobs, and somebody on the media was like, well, just learn to code. Just learn an entirely new life skill. And now if you say learn to code on Twitter, you get 
You can't. That's hate speech. <laughs> Learn to code is hate speech. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the problem with the police policing it is pretty soon you can't say anything because everything is the okay symbol. That, the okay sign is the perfect example of this. You, the okay sign, the holding up the, the first finger in a circle and then the other three fingers up high. So the, you all know what I'm talking about. That is considered in the intelligentsia circles right now as a white supremacist sign. Yeah, people have been uh, had their careers harmed over photos using, of them doing yeah, that. Yeah, using the OK sign. The problem is that that was uh, the idea that that is a white supremacist signal came from the 4chan trolls, meaning they made that up. Yeah, they made they it said, up. Look, they Same said, look at, the look at, they said, look at how stupid the American uh, political slash media class is, we're going to get them to tell you that the OK sign is a white supremacist symbol. And all they did was throw a few cedar stories out there and they were able to do it. They were able to cause the educated class to believe that's actually a white supremacist sign when, it's, when it was a troll Power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. That was Orwell again. I think there is a scriptural analog to all of this, what's going on. And it's it's the origin story of the Jaredites, the idea that the language was confounded at the time of the Great Tower. By the way, it never says Tower of Babel in the Book of Mormon. So we can infer there's possibly other towers, but he just says the language was confounded. When, we're, when we go to Sunday school class as kids, I was taught at least that that was sort of the uh, rationale, or maybe I made the connection in my own mind, but that was the rationale for the, the idea that we have different languages in this world. Is that the way you were taught? Yeah, basically. It's like, okay, we have French and Spanish and Italian because at the Tower of Babel, God caused them all to speak different languages. And maybe that is, but I think it's a lot. I really don't think so. It's a lot so. deeper, though. So there's a lot more to it. I think, I think the language was destroyed. Our language is being like confounded we're, like we're today. experiencing today. Words mean, mean, they don't mean what they mean anymore. Well, neither does the okay sign. What is a woman? Well, um. I know you're asking that sincerely, but I'm not a biologist. I'll tell you I what a woman sincerely is. don't know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think so. The the Jaredites, the there Jaredites, ain't nothing like a dame. For for the sake of that one listener out there that doesn't like us to sing, I won't sing this. But there ain't nothing like a dame. Nothing in the world. Can't say there dame. ain't nothing you can name that is anything like a dame. Can't say dame. Can you say broads? Can you still say that? <laughs> We're gonna go downtown and pick up some broads. <laughs> I think I just heard Spotify shutting off our our streaming. It was just an example, Spotify, like Joe Rogan when he was quoting people saying the N word. He wasn't saying it; he was quoting people. I'm just quoting somebody, a fictional person, saying, "We're gonna go downtown and pick up some broads," from like a movie, you know, a gangster movie from the 1920s. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> <clears throat> well, this has got me depressed, man. I didn't realize it was that bad. I should never have turned on uh, Nina Jankovic. The, the Nina. She's a lunatic. <laughs> that's, that's like 
She's a, a the, the word is bat, and then a, a euphemism for excrement, and then I crazy s- bat blank crazy. This I is a family show, so I won't say it. But somebody foobar yeah. also yeah. is a good way. Somebody to on Twitter, situation. somebody on Twitter said something like, said something like, "What is and what isn't truth is now determined by a lunatic theater kid." Who grew up drunk on power, something like that, and that's what she is. She's a she's a, a nut, and I have to wonder: is it is it so bad? Is it purposefully so bad? Are they trying to destroy our minds so they can reshape them into their own making? And yeah, look at the last few years, right? That's what you do in boot camp, right? They physically tear the guys down, they mentally tear them down, and then they get them to follow orders. Mm-hmm. You you gotta really put the pressure on to reform these people into what you want them to be in a, in your new militaristic society. Well, and I think the bottom line, the bottom line like that Orwell quote is power, but I think, you know, and you see that through uh, things like experts say or uh, verified sources according to verified sources or approved sources, right? It's Yacinda. We will be a single source of truth. There, there. There's a name I wish we could have left forgotten on the, <laughs> on the podcast. Come on, you love, you love Sister Ardern. <laughs> we, Jordan we, takes out a <laughs> firearm, racks it, shoots it, Bobby. <laughs> kapow, kapow! I'm there fighting words. <clears throat> I mean, look, look at uh, even with the COVID stuff, right? It's so blatantly obvious that masks did nothing. The vaccines did probably nothing. I don't think you can ever prove that. Oh, it they, did something. It didn't. Well, help. I mean, yeah, beneficial. I don't think you can ever prove that you that the vaccine social distancing the, did nothing made the virus less, you know, less uh, serious. Social distancing was a joke. In fact. More and more now, as time passes, we're seeing the, the harmful effects. Millions of people died, who, who need, needlessly died, especially in the developing world. Especially in the developing world. Southeast Asia, Africa, you had millions of kids starve. You had millions of kids and people die of diseases that could have been prevented under the normal flow of medical supplies and vaccines. Yes, there are... D- decently beneficial vaccines out there, medicines, you know, tuberculosis ran amok, um, starvation because of supply chain issues. And it's my feeling that and it's my, been my feeling for a long time. I've probably voiced this before. This is episode 73. So there's lots of declarations out there that we've made that the pandemic was just a cover for a mass human sacrifice, a mass depopulation event. And we're seeing that start to play out. It wasn't just through the, the virus or even the, just the vaccine, but all the collateral damage that we don't want to talk about because it takes place over in uh, villages with brown people that it's okay if they die. I mean, that's the feelings of people like Bill Gates, right? Mm-hmm. Bill Gates is on the record numerous times saying there's too many people on the planet and we need to get rid of a bunch of them. Yeah, you know, it's definitely pre-coordinated, pre-planned. But when you see when you see this uh, stuff like this lady singing, you know, just des- destroying supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. 
We have to link to her official DHS portrait. It is frightening. Yeah, well, and she posted it out there. She's like, now that I've got your attention with my stunning that's I'm, portrait. I'm just grappling. I'm, uh, she said, what? <laughs> I'm just grappling with the reality here that you have true believers willing to act like that. Because that, that's got to mean, we're get, I mean, on the, the, the doomsday clock, it's not 12 seconds to midnight. It's, it's, it's striking midnight right now. That's in my mind. She said, here's my official portrait to grab your attention. Now that I've got it, a huge focus of our work, and indeed one of the key reasons the board was established, is to maintain the department's commitment to protecting free speech, privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties. Is this a tweet, a twit? Yes, and then look at the, it is the most frightening I know, I, you sent, photo. I guess you sent me that. Maybe, I don't even want to post that on it the website. Is, Why do we have to do this stuff? It is, like she, the look on her face is absolute demonic. And here she is telling us that the reason the Board of Disinformation exists is to protect free speech and civil liberties. Yes, we're here to protect you. There's no need for a board to protect something that already exists. We have it protected under the Constitution. So do you, I know we're supposed to give everybody a chance and, and whatnot, but when you like circle around in social situations, there was a lot of automatopoeia there, circling in social situations. When you do that, do you, and, and, and you're encountering people that you don't know, do you make visual, I, I have to admit, I mean, I like have visual, like you see, you see people and you make assumptions based on your first impressions that you, when you see them visually and hear them talking just a little bit, right? You, you jump to conclusions, right? Yeah. Everybody does that, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, you, you, yeah. How else do you get to So I think what you're saying is if you were in a room with this person, you would go stand on the other side of the room or maybe leave the room. Yeah, I mean, I, first look, nobody had ever heard of this person before she was foisted onto us. Should we no longer refer to her as Nina, but refer to her as this person? Big sister. No, let's refer to her as <clears throat> this person. This was, <laughs> this was said a week ago uh, by her on Twitter. Here's my official portrait. She said, last week I told at NPR Michael, so someone, or Michelle, I don't know, someone at NPR. Michael or Michelle. <laughs> well, it's, it's, spelled, uh, it's spelled M-I-C-H-E-L. It's Michelle Martin. It looks like a female. From what I understand, a woman that, to look like anyway, but who, know, <laughs> who knows? But she, here's, here's the important part. Last uh, week I told NPR Michelle, I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities, which are already shouldering disproportionate okay. amounts of this abuse. See, see how know she's created a label there that she's attacking? There's no, there's no debate here. Congress shall make no law. You, that is an absolute statement. You are an absolutist who probably oppresses marginalized communities just by being alive. You know who's a marginalized community? You know who's a marginalized community? Free speech absolutists. <laughs> Good point. But this is just a... People you know, who are interested in the original intent of the founding documents, they're a marginalized community. Yeah, this woman's a lunatic. And she now gets to... With, with, listen, this isn't just some kind of think tank or whatever. She has the, the backing of United States law enforcement. She can come and arrest you 
for disinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies. They can connect some dots and say that this person died because of something you said on Twitter 17 years ago. And you can say, but Twitter didn't exist 17 years ago. And they will say, yes, it did. And it doesn't matter. You said it. He died. You're going to jail. A sobering thought, Mr. Flood. <laughs> I mean, it's... Okay, let, let me... It's not a change of subject, but it kind of is, but it's related. I'm going to spring a question on you live on the air, on the recorded air. Do you believe in the white horse prophecy? So the white horse prophecy is... Uh, uh, there's like 10 or 11 versions of it where... The gist of it is that Joseph Smith told somebody or some group of people that the day would come that the Constitution would hang by a thread and that the elders of the church would save it. But there are other versions that say that the Constitution would hang by a thread and that the elders of church would bear it away. So a lot of, there's been a lot of uh, mileage out there. It got a lot of play in... What, when was that, 89 or 90, when Ezra Tapp Benson quoted it in yeah, general and conference? Yeah, and then when, uh, shortly thereafter, George Herbert Walker Bush said, we have a real chance at forming a new world order. A thousand points of light. <laughs> yeah, so when the, when the whole new world order language started to hit the scene back in the day. But... There's a lot to be said about that, whether it's actually historically accurate, whether it's somebody's re recollection. You know, we could get into whether we think Joseph Smith really said it or what he might have said. And you've got the Mosiah Lyman Hancock autobiography, which also has some interesting discussion about a new political party called the... Uh, the American, oh shoot, what's it called? There's a prophecy that he, he said that there would be two different factions, the Republicans and the Democrats, and that out of that would form a new party called the American Independent Party, I believe is what it's called. And so that there are people that actually, in an attempt to fulfill that prophecy, have formed such a party. And that's going to somehow take back the country, right? So there, there's a lot of things talked about relative to Joseph Smith's remarks. And remember, we don't, we don't have a lot of really good sources on this. You have people's recollections that were recorded, you know, 50 years after his death. I heard Joseph say this, I, you know, whatever. So, so anyway, when you ask me if I believe the white horse prophecy, what are you really asking? What, what do I, what are the tenets of it? What are the, what are the principles of it that I, you're well, asking I think, if I believe? I guess, yeah, I think that the authenticity is disputed. But one thing that can't be disputed is that the Constitution of the United States hangs by a thread. I would say it's completely I, I think, severed. I think it has for a it's long gone. time. I don't think it matters. I think at the war between the states, it was over. And especially, I think, uh, in 1913, with the creation of the Fed and the federal income tax, I think was the nail death, in the coffin. Death knell. Now, it, not death nail. It's not that but people. It's not that people haven't been operating under the assumption that it that certain laws do apply, because it's not. 
But I mean, you had a you had a situation where one half of the country, by force of arms, forced people that didn't want to be part of it, states, nation states, to re-enter it. So that mm-hmm. that right there, I mean, that's if that can happen, then there's no then it's all just supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's all just us making up songs. How do you hide a little lie? How do you hide a little lie? It, it's all of us just making up, making up uh, window dressing to cover the fact that we've forced you into this. Right. Because I, I, mean, I, know, I know that America has had periods of, you know, we've had lots of good things happening. Lots of good people, lots of progress and supposed freedom in this country since the war between the states but if you can't if you can't self-determine like if your if your locale your neighborhood your region your if you can't get out well, you're not like, free it's like ron paul said when when the the debate about the border wall was raging on he said if they can build a wall to keep people out <laughs> they can build a wall to keep people in that's an interesting uh, argument when you consider things that have happened over the last year, like in Canada. Canada, um, if you were unvaccinated, I, I don't know if this is still the case, but if you're unvaccinated, you can't get into Canada. You also can't leave Canada. And there's Canadian citizens who are unvaccinated who can't use public transportation and who can't leave the country. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but uh, maybe, maybe that's changed. Sounds like a virtual Berlin Wall. Yeah, it is. It, it 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 isn't virtual even. It's I mean, yeah, there's not a stone wall, but there's men with guns at the border who will prevent you from crossing and leaving. Right. I guess what I'm really getting at when I ask that question is who are the elders of the church who will save the constitution and will that actually happen? Could that actually happen? See, I've heard it postulated that the or in other the words, idea is that the elders of the church will take the principles of them and reestablish them somewhere or in other words um in other words i just lost my train of thought well who are the elders is what you're asking well there's that is that your your elders quorum what does it mean by elders yeah i I mean yeah that's a that's a point of discussion because joseph smith originally was considered the first elder of the church and then they renamed they started to rearrange things uh later on and he was a high priest and can he simultaneously be a high priest and an elder? Or did that get solidified during the Heber J. Grant years? Is that really what he was talking about, if that's exactly what he said? And there's a lot of good questions surrounding that. But I think I remembered my train of thought. Or in other words... Pick it up. In other words, can or how does the Constitution be saved? How will it be saved, if it even will be? Or will it be born away? Yeah, born away is an interesting idea. And in today's world, really difficult to do. It'd be really hard right now for a group of people, even say 100 or, or 500 people or 1,000 people, to go somewhere and to create their own sort of nation state or compound or community where they were unaffected by the... Uh, laws of the land. Well, look, if, if you look back at history as a whole, uh, national boundaries change all the time. We look at national boundaries as if they are somehow permanent, but across history, they, they change. Yeah. And 
We've seen that in the Balkans most recently, so the term Balkanization has been mm-hmm. used, and I have talked about the Balkanization of the United States on this podcast before, have I not? I you think have. I think I brought that up. I think there's a legitimate uh, concern. We ought to have a legitimate concern that the, the oligarchy that rules us has as part of its ultimate goal the balkanization of the United States. They would like to break us up into smaller regions to be more easily, effectively governed. But that's different, I think, than a, a group of like-minded people trying to disentangle themselves from the United States. Well, that's why, that's why I throw out the idea that the end times, the way we sort of see end times prophecy being fulfilled with... Uh, a breakaway group. Uh, I don't want to use the word Zion, but a you know, hopefully, people who might someday become that. People who dis- uh, disengage, detach from the corrupted whole, and then provide new guards for their security. They set up a structure taking away from the old one the good things which are the the principles of the constitution which was torn to shreds so you could see in a in a more loose way how that could occur if the balkanization were to take place and because look when when we talk about a secret combination an oligarchy a conspiracy a, a attempt by wealthy people to destroy america or break it up or control it better I think you've got to realize I'm not I'm not here sitting here saying that oh it's all perfectly orchestrated. They might like it to be that way, but uh, the guy we've referenced before is Matt Bracken, who 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 likens it to riding a tiger. He says it's one thing to say you're going to ride a tiger, it's another thing to saddle up that tiger, and then it's a whole new whole nother thing to get on top of that tiger and ride it, right? So trying to break up the United States or trying to control the, the world like this is, is uh, to, to say you're going to ride a tiger. And we, we've got to recognize that there's a lot of hubris. If, if there's any one thing that we saw today, as I played that clip, un, unknow- I kind of knew what I was going to get, but just didn't realize that it was going to be that bad of this uh, Nina, Nina person, this person, singing, bastardizing the words of supercalifragilistic expialidocious. Yeah, I'm speechless. That's how bad it, that's how absurd it is. That's the hubris right there, writ large, the hubris of these people. So it doesn't mean they're going to get what they want, but will there be food shortages? Yeah. Will there be inflation? Yeah. Will currencies be destroyed? Yes. Will national boundaries potentially be re- made? Will there be splits? Will there be regionalization? Will there be balkanization? Yeah, probably. Uh, have we read the prophecy on war on this uh, podcast? From the Doctrine and Covenants? From the Doctrine and Covenants? <clears throat> I think we have, but we could revisit is it. it. Worth re- is it worth reading again? I think it's 87, uh, if, I, if I remember right. Let me see. Yeah, he says... Now, see, this is this is interesting because we take we we always take a perspective that's that's generally all of us. We we we're we're looking at things with limited perspective, right? We we we're looking at prophecy as if we're looking into the mirror of Erised in Harry Potter. The mirror of Erised in Harry Potter is a very interesting 
metaphor. Erised spells desire backwards. Mm -hmm. And on on the mirror was inscribed a little uh, backwards saying with no spaces that says something like, look deep into my glass and I'll show you that which is near your heart's desire. And when Harry Potter looks into the mirror, he sees what? He sees his parents. parents. Why? Because that's the one thing that he wants so badly in his life. He wants wants to to have his parents back. So he... He spends hours. He, if you haven't seen Harry Potter, number one, go watch it. I don't. Do I have to establish the context of Harry Potter for our listeners? Is it? Is it not? I'll do it in one. Lo- I'll quote Hagrid. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> That's the context. That's the context of it. And so, in the first book, which is called the Philosopher's Stone, in its original writing in England, Harry is told he's a wizard. He knows, he realizes he's going to have to go through seven years of wizard school. He, his life changes dramatically and he gets introduced to this whole new world. And one of the things that becomes evident is that there's a, there is a dark force attempting to destroy existence, everything, everything. take, take over and control the wizarding world and the regular world. And, uh, there's a MacGuffin, a, an object that this force is trying to acquire in Harry's first year that is, is hidden at the school. And that, that object that's going to allow the, the dark force, the dark Lord to return and destroy existence and, and, and enslave existence is called the Philosopher's Stone. And it's also the name of a Van Morrison album. Really? I think. It's also a, a technically a real alchemical. It's an actual it's stone. A, an, alchemical, al, uh, an alchemical symbol, a, a real thing that was talked about in the 14th, 15th, 16th centuries. There wa- uh, the story in Harry Potty- Potter goes that a man named Nicholas Flamel and Albus Dumbledore got together and were able to discover or concoct through through some alchemical process potions. They were able to to make this stone, and uh, the stone allows whoever has it to brew a potion called the elixir of life, and this gives the whoever drinks it eternal life or immortality. And also the stone allows you to turn any base metal into gold. So refiner of silver and gold, you know, turns, turns lead into gold or any other base metal. So it's very, very symbolic. Read Malachi on how the Lord is a refiner of silver. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, this is scriptural. This is, this is not, we're not making this stuff up. Nicholas Flamel was, and neither was J.K. Rowling. Nicholas Flamel was a r- real 14th century French alchemist. So she's pulling this out of history. Mm-hmm. This is what the Dark Lord needs to resurrect. It's what he needs to come back to life. And Dumbledore, in his wisdom, hides the stone inside of a mirror. Spoiler alert. Sorry, <laughs> should I do the spoiler alerts after I tell the spoiler? No, no, it's been out for 20 okay. years. Okay. Well, anyway, that's the point is the, the stone, the, there's multiple tests that you have to pass to get you know, multiple challenges that the kids and the bad guys had to go through to get to the stone, to get to the mirror. But in the end, the the stone is hidden in the mirror and your desires had to be pure to get the stone out of the mirror, which made it impossible for the Dark Lord ever to get the stone. Okay? Because he's dark. 
it's a beautiful allegory. It's a very, very beautiful allegory here because your desire has to be pure. So Harry looks in the mirror. He sees his family. Ron looks in the mirror. And what does he see? Do you remember? Him winning Quidditch glory. Well, there's all the girls around yeah. and he's head boy and he's got all the accolades. Which is what you'd expect from a 14-year-old or whatever. Well, but plus he's not only, he's not a, a typical 14-year-old. He's got older brothers who have done all these right. things. He wants to be just like them. And so those are his desires. His, he hasn't lost his parents. You know, his desires are a little more like a 14-year-old kid would be. Well, uh, or what is it? For, he would have been 11 at the I time, right? I guess the first years were 11 years yeah, old. Yeah, 11 or 12. So, That's so when if Harry you think back to when you're... told, you're a wizard, Harry. So when you're that age... Um, yeah, that's that's not it's not like his desires are terrible, but that's just what yeah, it's just, what he is normal. So a little, little comic relief. He looks in the mirror. Harry Harry's so excited he's found this mirror where his parents are, and he puts Ron in front of it. And Ron doesn't see his parents. He sees what he desires. Well, they they end up getting caught by Dumbledore, the headmaster, who Dumbledore. <laughs> he says, "Guys, you can't can't sit here and look in this mirror. You're gonna get." Your Waste souls, your, your minds destroyed. Your life will be wasted. Your your minds will be destroyed uh, because, and they're like, well, what's up with the mirrors? Well, it shows you what, what you want. And so you've got to stop. You've got to, you know, it's not, re- it's not the reality. It's what, you're, it's what you're imposing on the reality. Remember, this all relates to interpreting prophecy, okay? <laughs> Sorry, listeners, I do tend to drone on and on and on and on. But I think it's relevant because they, they've got this metaphorical device. J.K. Rowling's put this device here into the book for a reason, and it re- relates to eternal life and turning lead into gold, um, which is an alchemical... I'll just be really blunt here. That's an alchemical symbol about taking you, the lead, and turning you into gold, godly, making you burning out all the dross from you, refining... It's in Malachi. He says he's going to take the sons of Levi and turn them into silver and gold by by refining them. Okay, I can't I can't remember exactly where that is. Malachi three. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Anyway, Harry Potter looks in the mirror. Ron looks in the mirror. They get they get caught by Dumbledore. They have the discussion, and then they ask Dumbledore, "Well, what do you see when you look in the mirror?" And he says, well, I see myself holding a pair of warm woolen socks. So here the mentor, the Obi-Wan Kenobi guy, he, he has higher, more refined desires, but they're still worldly, right? So it just shows you that everybody here, including Dumbledore, still has to work on, you know, who they are and being refined and, and getting their desires right. And Harry Potter, when he finally ends up having to confront the evil one, He's able to obtain the stone because his desires are to protect the stone, to protect the system, to protect the other people from the Dark Lord. His, his desires are pure and true and good at that point, and so he is able to acquire the stone when the evil one, Voldemort, he who shall not be named, who's, who has possessed the body of Professor Quirrell. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. He, he cannot do it because he's right there in front of it, but he can't get it because he is not it. He, he has not, he is not it, and he doesn't understand that it's, it's the very thing that is causing him to want the stone, his ambitions, and his, his desire to use them for evil, that is pr- 
prohibiting him, that is keeping him from getting the stone. Well, anyway, as relates to prophecy, I think we do this all the time, and as relates to Zion, and as relates to looking forward, we impose our fears and our desires relative to those fears into the mirror of Erised. The mirror of Erised might as well be called the mirror of prophecy in a lot of ways. And when we read, for example, the Doctrine and Covenants section 87, we superimpose all of our baggage on that, which we, we think this only relates to this, the war between the states. <laughs> the right. civil war, the war between and, the states. And it does. It does. It says, Verily thus saith the Lord concerning the wars that will shortly come to pass. He says wars, plural. Right. Beginning at the rebellion of, the South, of, of South Carolina, which will eventually terminate in the deaths and misery of many souls. And he says, at that time, or sorry, and the time will come that war will be poured out upon all nations, beginning at that place. So, so the timeline starts with the war between the states, but the wars get poured out upon all nations, and that's not what happened during the war between the states in the 1860s. But he goes on, and he, so you've got to back up. You've got to, you've got to realize we're talking about an event, and we're then talking about all the events, right? So I think that this war, that this prophecy is starting to be fulfilled in our day. He says, For behold, the southern states shall be divided against the northern states, and the southern states will call upon other nations, even the nation of Great Britain, as it is called, and they shall call upon other nations in order to defend themselves against other nations. And then war shall be poured out upon all nations. And it sounds like, and you can, you, can, you can make this say whatever you want, it does sound like he's talking about that war, that, that somehow that war will turn into a war between all nations. But it, the southern states did call upon other nations, and there were other nations involved, but it didn't, it didn't turn into a full-on world war. But after that, war was poured out upon all nations. We have seen world wars since then. We have seen all nations in the world being involved in wars. And this is the thing. After it, so, so you sort of have in these prophecies, and you'll see this in Isaiah, you'll see a cyclical mapping or a, an outline of the, of the overall, and then you shrink back to where you're at. And then you get the overall and you shrink back to where it's kind of like a, dream, a dreamlike thing because we're dealing with prophecy. We're dealing with revelation. We're dealing with Joseph trying to communicate what he's getting from God. And I think that it, it happens that way. You see snippets of it, and you, it's like a fractal geometric design. And so you see it happening, and you, you see it in micro and macro states. Well, verse 4, it says, It shall come to pass after many days. Now, that can mean many days or many, 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 many days that the slaves shall rise up against their masters who shall be marshaled and disciplined for war. Well, who are the slaves? Is this the, the black slaves from the South, or is it the people of Hong Kong? I think it could mean both, I mean, and, and everything else. It, I kind of look at that— Or is it us? I kind of I look at that almost as a—it like, uh, uh, was fulfilled kind of in, in like a miniature format with the war between the states, but also applies to the larger state of the world. The slaves rising up is— it, it could apply to everybody who loves freedom and is willing to rise up and fight for freedom. And we've seen, we've seen little pockets of that over the last few years. 
we saw big pockets of it in Taiwan before the COVID shutdowns ruined that uh, and, mm-hmm. and basically shut all that down in Hong Kong, Taiwan. You had, you had freedom protests, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. happening in Europe and different places before the COVID pandemic. The pandemic, quote unquote, was a great cover to shut down a lot of There were a lot freedom of freedom movements, movements going on. A lot of them. Yeah. And they were gaining steam and traction and looked like they may succeed in different, yeah. different ways. And they got wiped out by the stay home, stay safe, stay slave. See, see <laughs> stay slave. There, there's this scriptural language that we've seen, especially reading the Book of Mormon, that talks about the times of the Gentiles or the time of the Gentiles and the time of the Gentiles being fulfilled. Well, the Gentiles can, rather than getting into a heck of a lot of context, let me just say that one way to interpret that is that it's Western civilization, that it's the, the Phoenicians, the Greeks, the Romans, all the people that went north out of Israel that's, you know, Sometimes people consider them the lost 10 tribes or linked to the lost 10 tribes. Again, there's tons and tons of stuff we could be talking about here. But just briefly, I think one really good way to look at it is that the Gentiles are essentially that. And they, they are encapsulated in America. In, in the American culture that has spread all over the world and has been the main influence in the world since the, area, the era of imperialism, since the First World War and the Second World War, and going all the way back through Catholicism, the Renaissance, you know, the Middle Ages even. The Enlightenment. Right, where, where that, uh, that civilization came from where those people pretty much controlled the known world. And, and the Gentiles uh, have presided over all of the technological advancements throughout the history of the world. That, that They made the modern world. That's the, that's the society coming out of Europe, coming out of England, coming out of Spain, Italy, the Netherlands, all of these seafaring nations that, that spread out and colonized. I'm not saying it's all good, but, but that is the world we live in. We don't wear... Um, traditional Ethiopian garb or traditional Chinese garb. Those guys wear the business suits. They adopted into this Gentile culture, and that's the times of the Gentiles. The there's a lot of discussion, like in the in the public schools. I one of, one of my kids had an assignment to to uh, write down some of the inventions that came out of the East, and they had like to get a list of ten. And it was a little bit of a struggle to find inventions coming out of India and China. I think you get, you get things like gunpowder. You get some really interesting things. Mm-hmm. But most of the technological advancement has come through the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to say other societies haven't contributed. I mean, Arabic numerals are mm-hmm. the foundation of modern math and everything but and science and stuff like that. But the, it's the Gentiles that sort of catalyzed that and can controlled it and and right now are running around controlling the world so when it says this in verse five that it shall come to pass also that the remnants who are left of the land will marshal themselves and shall become exceedingly angry and shall vex the gentiles with a sore vexation when it says that and we we look at who the gentiles are maybe this has broader application than just 
America, because it's a, it's a worldwide thing. And then he goes on to say that, thus with the sword and by bloodshed, the inhabitants of the earth shall mourn, and with famine and plague and earthquake and the thunder of heaven and the fierce and vivid lightning also shall the inhabitants of the earth be made to feel the wrath and indignation and chastening hand of an almighty God until the consumption decreed hath made a full end of all nations. See, that's, that's where we get into the apocalyptic end times eschatology of this whole thing, the, the eschatos. The eschatos in Greek is the end. Eschatology is the study of the end times. So we're in what Marvel Studios would call the end game, which was a documentary in reverse, <laughs> inverted. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So that's you, you, you open up a can of worms that are asking about the white horse prophecy. Right. Because the, there's so much context. Yeah, Bobby's looking at me like, oh, yeah, uh, stop talking, I, Jordan. I did, I did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah, Man, let's get back to free speech. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's get back to yeah. making fun of Come Nina. On. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I but, hope it's interesting to the listeners. In fact, please comment. Let us know what your thoughts well, are on the white horse prophecy and re- on the prophecy uh, about war in but, DNC 87. But I think it's important. The reason I kind of brought that up was that there's a lot more going on here than just a, a presidential regime or administration that wants to control what you think and say. It's a cosmic war. It's a cosmic war. And this is why you and I, I think, have fixated on what makes a good society. Because as, this, as we get balkanized or as this process of the full end of all nations is developing, somebody has to try to maintain their integrity. Somebody has to try to make it better instead of worse. Somebody, it says in the Doctrine and Covenants, I think it's section 45, I think we quoted it before, that if, if you don't want to be fighting in your neighbors, if you don't want to take up the sword against your neighbors, you're going to need to flee to Zion. Well, somebody has to start thinking about Zion. And I'm, I know that's a little bit of a, an arrogant statement. I believe Zion is, like you said, pure, otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And, and for guys like me and Bobby, who are the, the dregs of society, to be contemplating that, you know, maybe we're arrogant. Maybe, maybe it's foolish. But, uh, you know, I don't want to take up the sword. Verse 33 of DNC 45. There will be earthquakes in diverse places, many desolations, yet men will harden their hearts against me, and they will take up the sword one against another, and they will kill each other. Yeah, we've seen bits of that over the last few years. Riots in the streets and verse, verse like 68 where people have been killed. Verse 68, it'll come to pass among the wicked that every man that will not take up his sword against his neighbor must needs flee unto Zion for safety. My uh, and, and there shall be gathered unto it out of every nation under heaven, and it shall be the only people that shall not be at war one with another. Sorry, my Twitter lockout had something was had something to do with me making a comment about Zion, <laughs> and I wondered uh, what? what the key word was that triggered the ban. I don't think it was Zion, but it could have been. But that, no, clearly it, somebody took offense. But you bring up an interesting idea, like because society. Well, you brought it up. Well. 
must needs flee to Zion and will be the only people not at war one with well, another. What are the principles of the Constitution? The prin- and, and, and as enshrined but, in the Declaration, it was to help you not be at war. It was to help right. people to interact without hurting each other. Right. And being, so, to, be, to help people take, be honest with each look, other. Take a look in just recent American history, groups of people that have tried to disentangle, let me use that word again, disentangle themselves from the American system, usually have tanks, and I'm saying this literally, usually have tanks roll up to their front porches. I mean, we could name a few, right? You have Waco, where there were literally tanks, and you had uh, Ruby, Ruby Ridge, Ridge, which there were no tanks, but there were guns, and his wife and and son were shot and killed. The, the Maller Wildlife Refuge. Yeah, that's another one where guns were drawn. Now, luckily, that didn't escalate. And, uh, oh, no, except, they killed, except they killed, for Lavoie, uh, Finnegan, Lavoie Finnegan, yeah, who was ambushed. So how, I don't know that, uh, that like, it's going to be really hard to flee to Zion in, in a physical sense. And in our culture, in our religious tradition, Zion is a physical place. And I don't think that uh, it's going to be really difficult under the current circumstances. Again, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow to go and create such a society, such a community. It might work for a few years, and then you're going to walk outside one day, and you're going to have tanks at your front door. I was in Israel a few years ago, and they have these um, little, uh, what do they call them, Uh, kibbutz? Is that the right word? I think you're talking about their settlements that they yeah they're they're little self-sustaining or semi-self-sustaining communities and we we stayed the night at one it was pretty neat but uh, they had security you know there was fences and people with guns and these were little communities where a lot of it was self-sustained they had farms and dairy animals and things and now they had things from the outside world too right there was yo play yogurt and you know commercial things but. <clears throat> I found it really interesting. And I don't know that that's something that could exist in the United States today without being viewed with great suspicion and fear. And eventually you're going to have the... A, self, a self-sufficient self settlement is what you're saying. Yeah. Which also means that... You well, know, the Amish kind of do that. But they don't have... Not techno- really, though. But they don't really have like the technology to do anything... Right. No, nobody's, nobody's, getting, nobody's accusing the Amish of stockpiling weapons, right? But a self-sustaining society, a settlement, would have to have some weaponry just to have self-defense. I mean, that's kind of what got, that's kind of what got Ruby Ridge guy in trouble, right? They thought he was stockpiling weapons. He had like a shotgun. Well, they, they, framed, same, they framed him. They, same with Waco. That was their excuse. Right. It was the, the these Ruby they Ridge, Ruby Ridge and Waco. The, the whole point of those two episodes was to try to provide some reason for the existence of the Al- Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, mm-hmm. and Explosives. So what I'm saying is that we're in a in t- we're in a in a tough situation. People like you and me and others who think that maybe maybe who who haven't completely ruled out this idea of 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 going galt, right? Finding a galt's gulch or founding a galt's gulch. Mm-hmm. That's from Atlas Shrugged, by the way. It would be really hard to do in our day and age and not garner the attention of the machine. 
mm-hmm. and have guns pointed at you pretty quickly, mm-hmm. especially if you were armed. If you went out and started some kind of hippie commune where you're trying to grow weed mm-hmm. and potatoes, I, I don't think they'd care. But if you were out there trying to live constitutional principles, if you had born the constitutional way into some sort of thing and you had some numbers and you were succeeding, you would probably have tanks roll up onto your porch. Sure. And it says in the scriptures that God will protect Zion, but it's a chicken and an egg scenario. Uh, That's why I bring up the balkanization. That's why I bring up the splitting up. Because in those, it, as that plays out, as the globalists try to ride the tiger, they will not be able to maintain control everywhere. The fires are going to burn hot, and they're going to come. They're going to say we're going to come in and mop up, but their hubris is astronomical. They're the who are the people that they're using to mop up? Nina. Jankovic, what's mm-hmm. her name again? Something like that. This person. That They're person. using this type of person to clean up, which is not going to work. Yeah, well, I think when, I think Spencer Cox is in that category. Well, when some level of, of autonomy is attained by the, the locals, they're going to maintain that. They're going to fight for that, which is why they have to use the tanks. But if their hubris leads them to break down, you could see pockets of Galtz Gulches or... Uh, more free societies popping up everywhere for for many years before they try to ensnare them in the spider web of uh the new the new regulations the new order that they're establishing if if it comes to that if they really are if they're a lot of people out there say no they don't want to break up the united states the united states is doing great as their capital city uh enforcers policemen of the world you know but I think they ultimately want to get rid of the very things we're talking about today, the First Amendment, the, the understanding that we're talking about here on the, on the Mind Virus show needs to be destroyed. And uh, so I, I believe that's leading to a confluence of events or a, a, a situation where the possibility of a Zion or a free people could emerge. And so the, what I want to say next, I think, is very important. Three times in the Doctrine and Covenants, and this was all in 1829, Joseph Smith and others were told to seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. Not to establish Zion, but to establish the cause of Zion. And so you can think about that. What is the cause of Zion? Is it freedom? Is it uh, justice? Is it righteousness? Or is it possible that the cause of Zion is the catalyst? What causes Zion? Mm. There's two ways to look at that. Right. You see what I'm saying here? Right. And in Doctrine and Covenants section 97, it says, Therefore, verily, thus saith the Lord, let Zion rejoice, for this is Zion, the pure in heart. So purity of heart has something to do with, with Zion, and Zion is a people, right? It's not necessarily a place. It will be a place, but it's first got to be a people, and those people need to be pure in heart. And if that's what causes Zion, purity of heart, then you ought to think sincerely and solemnly about what is purity of heart. What is the heart? Is it different than the brain? Is it different than the mind? Is it possible that our modern 
vernacular in our, in our modern culture that we have destroyed understanding of the heart. In the Egyptian culture, we've talked about this before, right? Mm-hmm. When you die, you go to this, uh, their rituals to portrayed the judgment as a weighing of the heart. Your heart was weighed against a feather. And depending on how your heart weighed against the feather would determine where you would go to next. Yeah, if your heart was heavier than the feather, it would be devoured by the dog The beast. dog crocodile right. thing, yeah. And, but, but see, the, the feather represented something. This is highly symbolic. The feather was the ma'at feather. It was a feather of light and truth or intelligence. In other words, the glory of God, as Joseph Smith says in Doctrine and Covenants section 93. Actually, it was Jesus that said that to Joseph in DNC 93. But the feather is about light and truth. So, so in the ancient world, the heart is not this reckless feeling organism, in the, or, or, or organism, this organ, excuse me, it's not a reckless feeling organ like it's portrayed in modern culture. Like ever since the Gothic romance novels, you've got to think Charlotte Bronte or uh, right. Jane Austen or whatever, um, who wrote uh, Pride. It was Jane Austen that wrote Pride and Prejudice, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you had Wuthering Heights and uh, all the all these romant like this modern romanticism has warped our understanding of what the heart is in in the ancient world. It's the thinking and feeling organ and it's you know the heart is sort of the the master of this of the soul and the mind is sort of a implies focus it's the maybe the joystick or something it's not it's and the brain is never mentioned so heart and mind are always inextricably linked so i like to call it the heart mind but the point is it's it's your it's the center of feeling and intellect it's it's not it's not without feeling, but it's not the reckless emotional feeling because that's in the gut. That's why the Lord would say these, make these strange statements that you see in King James that my bowels are filled with compassion. <laughs> it's the gut. The gut is where, <laughs> where the, the feelings are. And we, we, we don't have that perspective because we never really try to get, get down to the original intent of the authors. But that, so purifying the heart mind, right? That's, Understanding the original intent of the Constitution, the original intent of the Declaration, you know, that goes directly to the point. Well, and we're experiencing a great inversion of that concept, right? Zion is a pure in heart. Well, people like Nina Yankovic, Yankovic, Yankurchangovic, are instituting or implementing purity tests to see if you're pure. And you're loyal to the regime, to well, the to the lies, to the false. Right, because for them, it, ig- ignorance is strength, and right. you have freedom is f- freedom, freedom is, is slavery. slavery. Ignorance is strength. War is peace. War is peace. Those are the three and, tenets of the Ministry of Truth right. in 1984. And and controlled speech is free speech. Right. They've even told that. That's probably that's what they're quote. trying to say right now. Is we have to control free speech to save free speech. She I have to destroy says, the free market to save the free market. She even says she shudders at the free speech absolutists who will, who will take over, and understand. I'm here to protect your civil liberties and your free speech. No, she's not. She's there to, she's there to gatekeep them, and to put you through a purity test to see if you will be loyal. To the to the false Zion, to the cause of the regime, the administration, the oligarch, the liars, the thieves. 
the charlatans. These people are all liars, thieves, and charlatans. To be pure in heart is to recognize that and to be able to discern between truth and error. That's the cosmic war we're fighting right now. That's the place we're all in, is to figure out what is truth. And we, that's kind of been the central theme, that and what makes a good society. We come back to these themes over All and the over time. and over because, well, that's the, that's the cause of Zion. Well, I hope, we're, I hope we're seeking to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying. Are you? <laughs> what do you guys think? But I mean, let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you're doing out there. Comment. Please comment. Maybe we do need to hold the roundtable discussion. That could be, a, that could be fun. That could be a lot of fun. But we're only going to allow you to say what we want to say. We are your single source <laughs> of truth. So we'll... It's how you hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little lie. Don't do that. That's so terrible. It's insane. It's literal oh, lunacy. It is lunacy. We're not talking about like your fourth grade civics class. We're talking about someone who's employed by the federal government. This woman is a law enforcement At agent. the highest level making decisions about what everyone in the country can say. This is not... Yeah, yeah. We already know. This we is already not the kn- local Lions Club. We already know that the Biden administration, and really, really, I would more accurately say it's that... It's not your steak roadshow. intelligence community... We don't have those anymore. The intelligence community and the tech corporations like Google, Apple, cetera, Twitter. Twitter, we know that they work in tandem to... to suppress free speech and to suppress wrong think okay that's another orwellian term we're we're already there's already a new speak right another orwellian term that there's certain words we have to use certain words we cannot say certain ideas that are verboten that are are uh, evil illegal cannot be said he who shall not be named right these people are enforcing that and it's all anathema to truth and to Zion, actual real Zion. So what do you do? We try to be practical once in a while here. What do we do? We'll start speaking truth, at least to your friends, your neighbors, your family. You might, you might lose some friends over this, but speak the truth. Be bold. Be bold about it. And uh, figure out ways in your sphere of influence to make a difference and to establish the cause of Zion, whatever that means to you, whether you're LDS or not, a Zion society is a society based on truth and on the principles of liberty, freedom, the U.S. Constitution, not specifically, but I mean the things codified in the Constitution, those ideas, those divine ideas. It's based on cooperation and friendship, true charity and love and respect for each other. That's what Zion is in my mind. And we're a long way from that. Mm-hmm. We're a long, long way from that in our you, society today. And you may think you know what the truth is, or maybe not. But remember uh, the Lord's words to Hiram, seek not to declare my word, but first seek to obtain my word. And so I'm, I'm guessing there are some things you know that you can really uh, hang your hat on and would be able to defend and explain. It's one thing to, to know a thing. It's another thing to be able to understand it. And it's a whole other thing to be able to teach it. And so as you go out, obviously use discernment and, and seek for the Lord's help in this process. But he will change your mind. He will expand your mind. If you attempt to really engage in 
that repentance process, that heart and mind changing process, I, I believe the Lord will fill in the gaps and help you to, to perform whatever role you're supposed to perform adequately, but you got to seek out his uh, advice and help on the subject and then it will come, you know? I think doing so will ensure that when your heart is weighed against the feather, you will be judged lighthearted. You will have a light heart. You will enjoy, you will find joy and peace and, and truth in such endeavors. And that crocodile dog won't hit your heart. <laughs> it, the, the weighing of the heart is such a cool thing. It's, such a, it's an amazing symbolic and literal ceremony process. If you've never looked into it, look into it. It's pretty neat. I think there's a lot to learn from that. Symbolism, guys. Symbolism. Allegory. It, it, the, these narratives, they, they control, they influence our lives. And right now we have people who want to change the narrative on us. They're fundamentally trying to say, you are different than what you really are yeah, they're denying, to keep you they're telling asleep, you, they're to keep telling you a slave. You, to deny the truth that you know in your heart and in your mind. They're telling you to deny what you see with your very eyes. And it is, as, as bad as the whole war between the states and the, the corruption of America has been, those principles that were enshrined have, fle- have spread across the world. You know, those, those principles that were enshrined in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence have influenced the world mightily. And they're difficult to destroy, and, and it's, the attack against them has been going on for a long time, especially in our lifetimes, in the last 40, 50, 60 years since World War II. The attack on these principles has been massive, blatant, uh, continuous, and very disheartening. But still, good people out there know this stuff, and we need to, we need to find that bedrock. We need to consult the Lord, learn, learn the new things we need to learn, use discernment, and stand up for truth. Well, to our listener who doesn't like us singing, now you get Nina singing. <laughs> and until you apologize for our singing, for not liking our singing, we're going to continue to play Nina singing. I don't know if I can, I don't want to do that again, <laughs> no. Bobby. Oh, it's bad. It was, it's, that was really bad. And I almost wanted to stop podcasting right after that. Well, thank you, everybody. We're going to wrap this up. Um, but leave comments both on last week's episode. Let's get to that 20 because we want to make a T-shirt. 20 comments. And, uh, are, leave- we, are we committing to a T-shirt after just 20 comments? Is that how desperate we are? Do they need to be comments? <laughs> I would like to, we to need be... More com- we need more prepper comments. We need yeah, more prep yeah, like item good, ideas. Legit comments. Because um, actually, some of those are some interesting ideas I hadn't thought of. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> some I will incorporate into my preparation some right. I may not some we're not able to talk about on the podcast TBM <clears throat> <clears throat> alright everybody be good and we will talk to you again next week we have a, are have a great week signing off